Hello, everybody. I can't believe that I'm at this point that I can give this shir. I'm still not at the hospital, but Baruch Hashem, I'm well enough to give this shir, well enough to prepare this shir, and hope to be discharged soon. I can't, I can't begin. I don't know where to begin to thank everybody. It's, I'm really speechless. The amount of support and davening and learning that has gone and has, has continues to go on for my refuah and to help me what it has done for me is can't be put into words. I can't explain it. And I, I, I can't now give the whole full speech. Thank you and acknowledgement or whatever words I can possibly say. I hope to be able to do that as a Shem when I get discharged and I'm back home. Then I hope to properly thank and address all of you who have been so, so amazing, so unbelievable. Thank you. Thank you again. So let's, let's attack the subject of kashering and uh, running the Seder. It's a quick cra- crash course. So we'll begin with cleaning the kitchen. When cleaning the whole house, you clean as best as you can, you vacuum and wipe. You have to understand that essentially in the whole house, you're just really worried about big chametz because you don't eat in those parts of the house. So there's a chiv to get rid of big chametz. So, you, you know, Cheerios, crackers, cookies, etc. And realize you'll also do badikas chametz there. And hopefully, if done well, that will ensure that there are no cookies and Cheerios all over. So for the rest of the house, the, the, the cleaning is on a lesser level. However, in the kitchen, we have to make sure that there's no chametz in the places that we prepare and place our food, even a mashu, because in our food, we can't even allow a mashu to get in. Now, any cabinets which will be sold, because you are leaving the chametz dishes and pats in them, they don't need to be cleaned. They just need to be taped and marked and sold to the guy. The cabinets you are using do need to be cleaned. Now, nothing crazy, just wiped down properly, and we're in no hake to paper our cabinets and cupboards where we keep food and dishes, again, as a chumrah, because of a mashu of chametz. But any bottles and cans and packages which are unopened and kashul of Pesach can be wiped down and used. Under the sink isn't really a makam shemachnisim by chametz. It's not a place that chametz goes, but nevertheless, it should be cleared and cleaned. But there's obviously no need to paper there. The refrigerator needs to be cleaned well and wiped down. It does not need to be papered, as usually food doesn't touch directly in the fridge, but it is correct to paper or silver foil the drawers that you do put fruits and vegetables directly in, and it touches the drawers, so those drawers should be covered with something. 
And likewise, if you put hot pots directly onto the fridge, so you should put silver foil on those shelves that you plan on doing that, or when you put the hot pot in, be sure to put a towel under it. Countertops ideally should be covered. This is the easiest and safest way to use them for Pesach. It's, it's, just, it's just so much simpler and you're guaranteed. But if you do want a kasher and you have granite counters which can be kashered, then here is the process. Now, quartz and formica are questionable. If they can be kashered for Pesach, I, I suggest avoiding them. That can be discussed. Now, if you're going to kasher, so the classic way is to heat up water until it's boiling and pour the water on the counter. Now, important, this is the really important key. Only the spot that is actually touched by the stream of water gets kashered. The place where the water spreads does not get kashered. So, therefore, the correct method is to pour the water in lines. Start each line from where the stream didn't hit on the previous line. You need to make sure you have a lot of water boiling and you need to make sure you're well protected with gloves and an apron. And know this, you will get wet, as they used to say in SeaWorld, in the front rows where the whales splash. This is a process where you will get wet and the water will go on your floor. Another way of doing this is with a steamer. Now, if you have, you own a proper steamer which gets hot enough and holds the temperature of the steam. They actually make steamers which uh, tell you the temperature. So again, you can do the same thing. You can go up and down the countertop, making sure to hit each spot with the steam. There are other ways of doing this with like pouring water and using an iron. I'm not a big fan of that. Again, it's very hard to be sure that you're doing a good job and it's getting cooked, heated up properly in each spot. So I, I don't, I don't um, uh, advise doing that particular method. Stainless steel sinks can be kasher. This is much easier because the water goes down the drain. So heat up water until it's boiling and pour the water over each part of the sink. And here too, wherever the water touches is kashered, but not where it spreads. So it's pouring lines. You can start with the bottom, go up and down, up and down until you get the whole bottom, and then pour alongside the sides and just do the best you can do. You don't have to go crazy. It's hard to know on the sides of the sink did you get every spot. Do the best you can do. If it is an above counter sink, so then pour along the edges there too. The faucet itself, I suggest, before you start pouring the hot water, dip the whole faucet into the boiling water. If it's the kind that pulls out, so just pull it out and dunk it into the water or pick up the water until the, sun, the faucet is, is uh, immersed and you're good to go. I suggest buying new inserts for your sink or, uh, or sinks because basically I mean like those little thingies that go to catch the food on the bottom. The oven is kashered as follows. If you have a gas range, then remove the grates, clean them as well as you can, and place them in the oven on 500 for about 15 minutes. And that's it. Again, not the round little thingies. You don't need to take, touch those. Just the grates that touch the pot, take them off, put them into the oven on 500 for 15 minutes, and you're good. If you have an electric range, just turn on the coils until they become red, and that's sufficient. 
If you have a glass top range, then you're in trouble. That's very difficult to kosher for Pesach. What I suggest is purchasing a plug-in electric, a double range, single range, and use that. Um, all methods of kashering that I have heard tried all had the same results. They cracked the glass uh, range. So uh, you can just skip that and buy yourself a new glass range. If, if you don't, don't bother cracking it. So in any case, really the only option is either replacing it with a new glass top or buying a uh, standalone plug-in electric double range. <clears throat> now, the oven itself, if it is self-clean, obviously that's enough. Clean it a little before. That's just good advice because otherwise it's going to make a lot of smoke. But either way, after you self-clean, it really turns everything into ash. And even you have though there's black smudges on the walls, it's nothing and it's fine. Nothing extra needs to be done with the oven door. If the oven is not self-clean, so then you should clean it as well as you can first with oven cleaner. Then turn it on its highest, probably 550, for 45 minutes to an hour. And anything that remains after that is not a problem. Microwaves are very difficult to capture because they're very hard to clean. They have all these little holes and stuff. However, if you are confident that you can clean them well, including all those little holes, then this is how it's cashered. You place a bowl, a bowl of water inside. You turn it on until the water bubbles and the microwave fills with steam. You then move the bowl over to a new spot and repeat. At this point, it's cashered. But the glass tray should be covered with something microwave safe, obviously not silver foil, and then you can use it for Pesach. So um, dishwashers, I don't know of any good way to cashier them for Pesach. So I believe that wraps up the cashiering for Pesach segment. Let's move on to Arab Pesach. This year, there won't be any communal siyumim. One can listen to a siyum on the phone if you are a Bukhar or if your son is a Bukhar. However, I have another suggestion, an easy suggestion. Learn Pirkei Avis. You have from now till Arab Pesach, a week. Learn through the six Prakam of Pirkei Avis. You can read through the Art Scroll English. And then L'Chadchila, you can make a Siyam on that. It's very easy, and that's really the best way to go. The trash cans um, are sold together with the Chametz, so there's no need to worry about the Chametz, which is in there. Nevertheless, beginning from Arab Pesach, B'dikas Chametz, all big pieces of chametz, like you have a half a piece of bread, you have a cup of Cheerios. Don't place, don't put those in the garbage, because at that point, starting from Bedikas chametz, it really says that what's left over is Yanichena Betzina should be put aside to be burned. If you're going to burn your chametz or disposed of in the toilet or whatever method you're planning on using to dispose of your leftover chametz, that chametz should be put aside for that and, and, and destroyed in that way again. But this is only large pieces of chametz, crumbs can be thrown in the garbage as usual and put into the garbage. Let's start now with the Seder. So make sure not to begin Kiddush before it's Tesek Echavim, before it's, it's Vade Laila, before it's Roshor night. Now, the three masses for the Ka'ara don't need to be placed beneath the Ka'ara. No, no reason to do that. If you have the fancy Ka'ara on legs, that's great. Then put them on there. But otherwise, if you put them under the ka'ara without that, it'll endanger them of cracking, and it isn't necessary. 
Two of the three matzahs need to be shalem, they need to be whole. But the middle matzah doesn't have to be shalem. Why? Because you're cracking it anyway, by yachat. Now, shalem means l'chadchila, totally whole. But if that's difficult and you can't really find a matzah like that, even if it's missing a little piece, exactly what a little piece is, but even if it's, you know, a tiny piece is cracked off, it's fine. Burned edges are fine. That's still called shalem. The salt water and the chareises should be prepared at Pesach. If not, only as much salt water as will be used should be prepared. And if you're grading for the chareises, that would needs to be done with a slight shinoi. Do it a little differently, turn it over, figure out some way to do a shinoi. Both the egg and the zeroya that's on the um, ka'ara can be used both nights, even though by the second night, perhaps that zeroya is uh, less edible than however edible it was to begin with, you could use it. The egg can actually be eaten at night, should you desire, but the zeroya can't be eaten at night. You could eat it in the morning. Even if you don't eat the zeroya at all, you should know it's a mitzvah to try to eat the zeroya so that you do a mitzvah with it. But even if you don't eat it, don't throw it straight in the garbage. Since the zeroya was used for a mitzvah, you have to treat it with covid, so wrap it up first before throwing it in the garbage. Everyone is obligated in the Arabic crisis, and children, once they reach the age of chinuch, and they are participating in the Seder, and they understand, they're obligated as well. Grape juice is l'chachila. But here's the thing. I've noticed that people, they'll drink the whole cup in the beginning of the Seder by Kiddush, and the second cup, they'll drink the whole cup. But then it comes to the, the third cup, by benching, and certainly the fourth cup, they take a sip, and they can't drink anymore. Now, this is a problem, because you have to drink Reuvervius. Now, Reuvervius isn't so much, but the main thing is to think about this in advance. Don't drink so much wine in the beginning, which will make it impossible for you to drink the sheer later. So, so rather, drink only the minimum from the beginning. So a Reuvervius is about four ounces, even is even make a less than that, but let's talk that a revius is four ounces. Your standard kiddush cup will be holding about four ounces, and rive is a drop more than two ounces. That's not a lot. That's two of those plastic shot glasses. So prepare yourself a cup, plastic cup, mark it off at two ounces, measure it off before two ounces, and then before you drink your kais, even the first kais. Either you can figure it out on your own or you can pour it into that cup and just drink the rive kais, the two ounces, and this way you'll be able to drink all the four cups, kahalacha. That's the best way, and it's, it's, it's really everybody should keep this in mind so that they can drink all four cups and not just take a sip where you won't be yait to the mitzvah of Arab kaisis. And you can't just take a sip and then another sip and then another sip. It needs to be drunk quickly, so really, as long as you plan this out, it's really doable. The choice of wine should be exclusively based on what's the easiest for you to drink and what you enjoy most. Chaviv is the best choice for wine. If a woman has said shehachiyanu while lighting the neiris, then she shouldn't say shehachiyanu by Kiddush. She can answer amen to the bracha of her husband, if she's being yaitzah with him. But as we know, there are two men hug him. Some women say Kiddush on their own. Some women are yaitzah with their husbands. 
If you're saying Kiddush on your own, and you already said Shehachiyanu while lighting Neiros, do not repeat that Shehachiyanu. Whether you should say Shehachiyanu by lighting Neiros, there are two ways to do that. Some people do it, some people leave for later. Either way is fine, either way is good. Just don't say Shehachiyanu twice. If a man forgets to drink Behaseba for Kiddush, so it's interesting the way this works. By Kiddush, if you were planning on drinking something after Kiddush, and you should know it's permitted. After Kiddush, if you want to drink some soda, that's fine. As long as you had it in mind while making Kiddush, you can do that. And if that's what happened, so then, and you realize you forgot to drink Baseba, then you need to drink a Kais again with Baseba, but just no bracha. But if you didn't have that in mind, so then it would require you to make a new Hagafen, so then you can't do it. You can't add Hagafens. It looks like you're adding to the kaisis, so don't drink again. By the second kais, over there we say you automatically have in mind to continue drinking because you're about to have a meal. So by the second kais, if you forgot to drink Baaseba, drink another kais Baaseba without a hagafen. By the third and fourth kais, you don't drink again. So basically, if you forgot Baaseba, by Kiddush, only if you had a mind to drink more, you can make another, you can drink again. By the second case, you should always drink again. And by the third and fourth, you don't. Now, the rule is during the Seder that whenever you pick up the kais to say something, that's when you cover the matzis. But it's important to remember to uncover the matzis right after. The Haggadah is meant to be said on the matzis. And likewise, it's important not to forget to fill up the kais by manishtana, as the Haggadah is meant to be said on a kais as well. Now, when you get to Karpas, there's always this dilemma because everybody's starving and they really want to sneak more potato than a kazai, than less than a kazai or whatever it is you're using. But the halacha is to specifically eat less than a kazai. Why? So that you shouldn't have to make a bracha achreina. And if you don't make a bracha achreina, so then the bracha rishayna of hadama will be able to cover the maror that you can eat later. So what to do? So here's the solution. Before eating karpas, before eating karpas, you can eat something which is not a hadama. That's the key here. You have to eat something which is not a hadama. You can eat an egg. You can have some soup. Just that it shouldn't be a hadama. Eat as much as you want and make a boire nefashais. And then eat karpas and only eat less than a kezayas. This can be done l'chachila. I don't suggest that this should become an official part of your seder. That soup is served at this point. But if people are very hungry, this is what you can do. There are two minhagim by karpas. Some have the minig that everybody washes their hands. Others, like myself, have the minig that only the balhabayis washes his hands. So, if your minig is that everybody washes their hands, so then it's like washing for bread. You don't make a bracha, but you have to wash properly, take off rings, and you have to be quiet until you do karpas. Otherwise, only the balabayas washes. If you know your minig, obviously do that. But what if you don't know your minig? So use this as a measuring stick. If you wash your hands for wet fruit all year, for example, if you wash an apple to eat it on a regular Monday, you wash your hands until you without a bracha first. Because that's the halacha, something which is wet. You have to wash your hands. Then on Pesach, everybody should be washing. But if the whole year you don't do that, you never wash your hands when you eat fruit because you're not makbid on that halacha of washing on wet fruit 
as is brought la'alach. This is two, two uh, accepted approaches in halacha. So if the whole year you don't wash your hands for wet fruits, then there's no reason that everybody should be washing their hands on Pesach night, and only the Balabayas washes, and the reason is, that the children should ask questions. Why are you doing this strange thing? Why are you washing your hands? As far as the rest of Magid, follow what it says in the Agada, when to hold the kais and when not. Some, like myself, have the minig to stand whenever holding the kais, and others do not, and it basically depends on whether you're makbit to stand by Kiddush all year round. When you're making Kiddush, do you stand? Then stand here too, and otherwise not. When you get to the Hallel, by the end of the Haggadah, there's no Indian to stand, um, and you don't have to hold the Kais either. By Maitzi Matzah, once we start, so we try not to speak until after Kairich, so that the Bracha should cover Kairich as well. Now, obviously, you can say whatever is necessary in order to, you know, move the Seder along. You can ask, do you want Romaine? Do you want Hrein? Is this enough matzah? Or whatever. But otherwise, other kinds of talk should be refrained from. So this is how you do it. You pick up all three matzahs and make hamaytzi. Why do we pick up all three matzahs? That's because we need Lechem Mishnah, the Yantiv. So we need whole matzahs. So we need the Tat Matzah and the Bana Matzah. That's the Lechem Mishnah. But we're also making the Hamaiti on the middle matzah, which is the one that we're going to be making the mitzvah of Achilles matzah. And that Hamaiti is a birchas mitzvah for the mitzvah of Achilles matzah. So we hold all three. Then we drop the bottom matzah, because we don't need it for now. And then we make the bracha of al Achilles matzah, which primarily is going on the middle matzah. Now, there are two menhagim how to do this, my minig, which is the minig chasam soifer, is before the balabayis makes the bracha of achilas matzah. First, you make the hamaytzi. But then, before you go on to make the achilas matzah, that's when I distribute the matzah to everybody. And the idea is so that immediately after I make al achilas matzah, everybody will eat right away, and there won't be any hefsik at that point. But Many don't do this, and many just make both brachas one after another, and then distribute the matzah. Now, when you distribute the matzah, obviously, you give everybody a little piece of the middle matzah, and you supplement it with other matzah. But the Baal Habayis alone, he has to eat one kezayis from the middle matzah, and one kezayis from the top matzah, because he made a bracha on it. Now, when we say one kezayis and one kezayis, we mean the small kezayis, like a quarter matzah from the top matzah and a quarter matzah, about a little less, from the, bottom, from the middle matzah, because together they comprise a half a matzah, which is the big shear, which we should all try to eat for the mitzvah of matzah, which is dairaisa. So the balabayis takes a quarter matzah from the top matzah, he takes a quarter matzah from the middle matzah, you have a half a matzah, which is the shear, that everybody should be aiming for, for the Dairaisa, and try to eat it within four minutes or at least nine minutes. By Kairech, it's only Drabanan, all you need is a quarter matzah. By Afikaimen, it's only Drabanan, all you need is a quarter matzah. But some have the minig to eat an extra kezayis by Afikaimen, Zecher Lechagiga. But I suggest only do this if you're able, 
you're usually full enough by afikaimen that you can barely get the afikaimen down. So don't take away from the main mitzvah of afikaimen. Get that down. Try to enjoy that as much as possible. We eat it when we're full. It gives it a special chashivas. It demonstrates that we're eating it because we're kings. We have enough to eat. Not eat it because we're hungry. We're eating it the same mitzvah. And, but it should not be eaten when we're just so overstuffed that it makes us gag. After afikaimen, you can drink water. You can even have a tea. But you should refrain from drinking soda and obviously eating anything else. You'll notice that when saying halal after, um, you know, the fourth kais, by the fourth kais, there are two minhagim, when exactly to make the bracha of Yehalalucha, which is the final bracha of the Haggadah. I believe Minig Ashkenaz is to say Yehalalucha, which is, the, you know, the regular bracha that we say at the end of Hal, all the way after Nishmas and after Yishtabach, then you say Yehalalucha with the bracha, like every Hal. But I believe that Minig Sfarad is that you say Yehalalucha right after you finish Halal without saying the actual bracha part of it, without saying the bracha Hashem. Then you say Nishmas and Yishtabach, and you make a bracha after Yishtabach. Both are valid minhagim, but it's a good reason to pay attention to which Haggadah you use, you choose, so that it represents your minig. If you're Ashkenaz, make sure you're using an Ashkenaz Haggadah, and if you're Sephard, make sure you're using a Sephard Haggadah, and otherwise, if you and your family are using two different types, it's going to cause some confusion. Everybody, please have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos. Thank you again for davening for me, for caring for me, and for thinking for me, thinking of me. Have an easy time preparing for Pesach, and stay tuned, Be'ez Hashem, I hope, Sunday night, to deliver Shabbos HaGadol Drasha, first part about uh, whether we should be saying Halal this year, the one that you typically say in Shul, and those who say it in Shul, should you say it be Echidus before the Seder, and Ashkafa part, I hope to be talking about why it is that we split up Halal by the Seder half before the meal and half after, and we're going to discuss how should we really be saying Halal, what are we supposed to be having in mind, and I, I hope to be able to give that Sunday night, and I hope to be discharged by the hospital by that time, Yotashem. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.